All right, everybody, we're going to get started today. Uh, thanks for joining us today um, in our new social distancing type version of our breakfast briefs, our new lunch hour seminars. Um, so I want everyone to know I've turned your video off and muted you just, you know, to limit distractions while Mark is speaking. Uh, but we do have a chat feature. So when Mark is done, we'll leave about 10 minutes at the end of the presentation. So if you have any questions, go ahead and chat those there and I'll field those questions um, to Mark for some Q&A. So today we actually have a returning guest. If you tuned in in May and registered for when Mark was originally supposed to speak, um, you would have known we had some technical difficulties. Um, that I can assure you we won't have today because we have several co-hosts. So if anyone's internet goes out, the presentation can carry on. So apologies to Mark and everyone else about that. Um, and thank you for returning today. So uh, before I introduce Mark, we have a couple people with some announcements. So first up is Tina Vasquez. I need to unmute you, Tina, one second. Um, Tina is with Excelsior College, who is our sponsor um, for all of our breakfast briefs, which are now kind of lunch seminars. So Tina, are you successfully unmuted? Yes, I think I am. Thank you. Awesome. So take it away. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute um, to say thank you to the uh, New York Capital Region AMA for allowing us to sponsor the 2020 events. Although we, I always look forward to seeing everybody in person, but being able to sit and learn from the comfort of our homes is also a nice thing as well. Um, Excelsior College has been helping adult learners achieve their higher educational goals for 50 years now. We just launched our 50th campaign and we are just so proud to continue to partner with um, community advocates for education, just like the AMA and speak to thought leaders and learn and grow from others in our community. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tina, and thanks to Excelsior. Um, and now I just wanna pass it over to our current president, Chelsea, um, to give a few reminders. Let me unmute you, Chelsea. Sorry, everybody. All right, I think we're unmuted. First, I wanna thank Mark Beal for joining us today and sharing his experience. The American Marketing Association New York Capital Region Chapter is the premier organization serving sales and marketing professionals across the region. From senior level sales and marketing executives who are advanced in their careers to young professionals commencing their journey and college students seeking inspiration and guidance as they plan for a career in marketing. We are dedicated to elevating the marketing profession in the capital region by promoting best practices and next practices that create the opportunities for personal and professional development. The AMA recently launched a new everyday low price of $149 for an annual membership. For a group of three or more, it's just $119. There's no better time to join and members get unmatched resources at a price that shows the undeniable value. And we're looking for volunteers. Take the first step in making a difference and volunteer with us today. Thanks, Chelsea. Uh, quickly before I introduce Mark, just want to remind everyone that next month is no different. Uh, the middle Wednesday of every month we'll be doing this again with a different speaker. We have Steve Melito and he's going to be talking about content marketing in the age of COVID-19. Um, he'll use a case study to talk about strategies for planning, creating, promoting, and, and persisting with content. So you can visit our Facebook or our website to sign up for that event. And now I can finally introduce our speaker, Mark Beal. 
Um, thanks again for giving this another shot. Um, he's a marketer, author, university professor, keynote speaker, and podcast host. Um, he'll be talking about how to market to Gen Z today. He actually wrote a book specifically about this, Decoding Gen Z, 101 Lessons Generation Z Will Teach Corporate America, Marketers and Media. So he has a whole list of credentials, but I'll let him touch on those himself. Um, Mark, thanks so much for being here today, and the floor is yours. Elise, thank you very, very much for having me. Chelsea, thank you as well. I'm really, really glad we got to do this again. Um, and as Elise said, we will get through this without any, any glitches whatsoever. So uh, as Elise noted, you know, type in your questions. We'll cover as many as we can between now and the end of the, uh, the presentation. I know some of you may have been on the last presentation, so this has actually been updated and uh, there's some new information in here. So, you know, I think as, as Chelsea said, you know, we are all marketers, right? No matter what channel we're in and we're always trying to learn and evolve our approach, especially during this time of things like COVID-19. So this is gonna be a timely presentation about what's happening today and tomorrow as it relates to a really important consumer segment in Generation uh, Z. So a couple of things today, again, we're gonna focus on making this very real world, real time, COVID-19 specifically, and, and again, uh, what that means to this, this demographic. Uh, the concept evolving from marketing to truly engaging this consumer and really all consumers. Um, then we'll dive a little bit into uh, Gen Z's preferred media platforms and engagement platforms. We'll touch a little bit on brands they love and why. And at the very end, I'll kind of give you the playbook on how to effectively engage Gen Z right now and even in the future. And I'll sum this entire presentation up with one slide that captures everything we talked about. So it's kind of my, my presentation on a page. So as Elise said, a little bit of background because I'm sure some are wondering uh, how is this gen, old Gen Xer able to talk about Gen Z, right? So a little bit of background. I spent the past 30 years in marketing and public relations with a leading public relations agency in New York, where I was creating and executing campaigns, integrated marketing campaigns for the likes of Nike, Taco Bell, Procter & Gamble, Nestle, Capital One, and others. So that's my background. And then in 2013, Rutgers University, which is where I graduated from, asked if I would teach one course in public relations. Well, that one course turned into two, turned into three, turned into four across PR and marketing. And in 2019, they'd asked if I'd become a full-time professor of practice, which I was excited to do. So my background, again, is 30 years of marketing and public relations, starting to teach at the university level in 2013. And it was when I was starting to teach there in 13, 14, 15, 16, that I was really inspired by my students. And as I got into about 2017, I said, you know, Millennials have been a major focus for many brands and organizations for the past 10 or 15 years, but Generation Z come 2020, 21 and beyond should be a primary focus. Maybe not the only focus, of course, or maybe not even the first focus, but they should become a primary focus of most corporations, brands, organizations, nonprofits, universities and others. And so in 2018, I scoured America I interviewed Gen Zers from age 13 to 23, from high school freshmen to those just graduating college and entering the workforce, and really just tried to understand in 2018 more about what were they doing on their phones, what channels were important to them, how, how were they responding to marketing and advertising. So we, I called that decoding Gen Z. Fast forward to 2020, and I just released Engaging Gen Z within the past month or two. 
it's still a little bit of that, but it's really about how do we truly engage this consumer? How do we truly create relationships with this consumer? Um, and so that's what I'm going to take you through today, including um, some recent research I do. I try to do quarterly surveys of Gen Zers across America. So you'll see some data points in here as well. So I guess within the past two weeks, I wrote a column for, um, I wrote a column for, I think, is that, do I have to, okay. I wrote a column for the Sunday New York Star-Ledger, which is the largest newspaper in New Jersey. And uh, the whole column was what I call the next greatest generation, Generation Z. And I based the whole column, not just on my data points and things like that, but I also, um, I also based it on the idea of, let's see if I can get rid of that. No. Uh, I also based it on the idea that um, during this pandemic, during this critical time in the lives of Gen Z, which are the most formative years, they are still resilient. They are still being innovative. They are still using that entrepreneurial spirit and mindset. And I'll give you a couple of examples as we go through. So this was just a, a column I wrote, like I said, two or three weeks ago. You can find it on nj.com. And again, it really goes into, again, a generation that I do believe is the next greatest generation. And this presentation will kind of explain why I believe that. So some of you may have seen this, but in May, Tom Hanks delivered a commencement speech and um, it caught my attention because of what he said. And he was talking to this Gen Z consumer, Gen Z audience, and he said, you will have made it through this time of great sacrifice and great need, meaning COVID, and no one will be more fresh to the task of restarting our measure of normalcy than you, you the chosen ones. He kept calling Gen Z the chosen ones. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive from a guy like Tom Hanks to be calling 20, 21, 22 year olds who are graduating the chosen ones. But I'll explain to you why I believe, uh, why I agree with him and why I kind of support that, that position. So as I, I teased a little bit earlier, the pandemic and everything else that's happening in the world in 2020 is during the most formative years for Gen Z. Now, of course, all of us, no matter whether we're Gen Xers like me or millennials or Gen Z or boomers, we're all being impacted, of course. But if you think about Generation Z and you think about middle school, high school, college, first job, you know, internships for the most part have, have been pretty much, you know, canceled for the summer, although some still are able to use their, their ingenuity and secure some experience. Those who've graduated in 2020 are having a big, a major challenge in securing that first job, right? Um, and then you've got all the just other experiences that take place in your teens and early 20s, you know, again, from social to sports to everything else that they're missing out of. So this pandemic is having a major, major influence on Gen Z's, not just now, but I really believe in the future. And I'll bring that to life in a, in a few slides. So today we're going to talk about two main topics. One is this idea of prioritizing purpose over promotion. So as a marketer, the idea of purpose over promotion and profits. And the second is to evolve, as I talked earlier, about going from marketing, traditionally marketing, traditionally advertising, to truly engaging a consumer segment, in this case, Generation Z. And I do want to caveat, I know that everybody on this call is in some sort of marketing position where you're marketing to various consumer segments. But today we're, we're just gonna focus on Gen Z, but I, I, I fully understand that we're all you know, marketing to a wide range of consumers, not just Gen Z. So 
in my uh, Engaging Gen Z book, which I mentioned just came out uh, in May, I co-wrote this with a Harvard sophomore by the name of Michael Pankowski. I read about a, a column that he penned in Ad Age last year. And every morning when I wake up, first thing I do is I search on the internet for just Gen Z topics, stories, articles, studies, and surveys. And I see this article in Ad Age penned by Michael Pankowski. And I said, wow, that's a name I've never seen. I read the article. And at the end, I read, Michael Pankowski is a sophomore at Harvard University. I said, that's impressive. Shot him an email. Within 24 hours, he emailed me back. And we started collaborating on this book called Engaging Gen Z. But what I wanted to call out was he wrote this lesson five. So this is his words. And in his words, he writes, Gen Z is the purpose generation. Gen Zers expect corporations and brands to care just as much about doing good for the world as they do. So again, kind of the first light bulb of this presentation, think about again, Gen Z, the purpose generation, they're looking to um, advocate for and purchase from brands and organizations that have a higher purpose than just transactional. Uh, and in today's world, again, in 2020, you know, between the pandemic, between critical issues of diversity, inclusion, and social justice, there couldn't be more of a time when purpose is more important than ever for, again, brands, corporations, organizations, employers, and many others. And so that's something Gen Z is really looking for in the brands they support, the brands they advocate for. I just want to bring an example of, again, Gen Z being resilient, Gen Z being uh, uh, persevering and Gen Z flexing that entrepreneurial mindset and spirit in a purposeful way using uh, with purposeful action. So this is an article that I won't get into fully, but I was very impressed when in early to mid-April, I started hearing about these two Gen Zers from New Jersey, um, one by the name of Jesse Kay, who's a sophomore at Stevens and Alex Scheinman, who just graduated from Penn State. And they were sitting around and they could have been moping and they could have been complaining that, you know, school was now remote and, you know, there was no social activities and all those other things. But instead, they sat around for 24 hours and they said, what can we do to help others? What can we do that's purposeful? What's a mission we can take on that's purposeful in its message and purposeful in its action? Within 24 hours, these two Gen Zers had created a concept which was a virtual lemonade stand and they branded it making lemonade. So not only, so, so they had a thought, they had an idea, they turned that into again, a brand, a concept, a platform. Within 72 hours, they had designed, created and launched a website for this purpose-driven initiative. Within a week, they had mobilized more than 100 Gen Zers at more than 30 universities across America to rally around this idea of a virtual lemonade stand. And within 30 or so days, they raised $110,000 approximately, which went to Feeding America and other hunger relief organizations. So just if you think about it in a nutshell, right, we all work for organizations. To go from ideation and concept to execution for some of us, depending on the size of our organization, could take months and months and months and months. These Gen Zers who wanted to do something purposefully within basically 24, 48, 72, 96 hours, concepted an idea, created it, gave it a public face with the website, mobilized Gen Zers, and went out there. And what I think pretty impressively in 30 plus days, 
raised a hundred plus thousand dollars that went directly to hunger relief organizations in this country. That to me epitomizes Gen Z's purpose, Gen Z's entrepreneurial mindset, um, Gen Z's um, uh, use uh, of technology, both digital and social. So I think it's just a great example to give you a sense of how, how they operate, how efficiently they operate, and the, and the purpose in which they operate. Uh, just a couple of quick examples. Um, you know, I talk about the idea of being purposeful, not just in communications and messaging, but action. So very quick examples. As, as the pandemic hit, U-Haul right away offering 30 days of free storage to college students who basically were kicked out of the college campuses. You may say, oh, you know, not a big deal. But again, it's purposeful in the way it was, it was uh, brought to market, purposeful in the action. Um, so again, just a, just a small example, but it showcases, again, a brand who is thinking and acting in a purposeful manner. Um, AT&T, knowing that, again, a lot of students were now coming home to to, to uh, study and to participate in school knew that all of a sudden broadband was going to go use of, you know, uh, was going to go significantly up again, the first to, to lift caps for going over data caps or lift fees for going over data caps. Again, maybe small, but again, it shows purposeful action during this time. The one that I really love, and I'm, I'm very good friends with the uh, global communications director for fanatics is uh, fanatics. Some of you may know them. They're, they're known as kind of the, uh, the sports apparel company, um, that creates, um, you know, apparel across all, just about every professional sports team and league. Two things here. One, the image on the left is their um, factory, their manufacturing facility out in Easton, Pennsylvania. And the moment the pandemic hit, they were actually creating, if anyone's been watching any Major League Baseball, you know, Fanatics actually, even though they have a Nike swoosh on them, they actually manufacture every single uniform that every MLB player is using right now on the field. Well, they stopped that immediately. And instead they took all the materials in partnership with Major League Baseball and started making gowns and masks for first responders. So they pivoted immediately. Secondly, and I'm sure a lot of have seen this, they then went a step further and they created the all-in challenge. And they mobilized all the relationships they have with celebrities and actors and athletes and others. And they created this, this incredible challenge, again, for hunger relief but they did it quickly. They did it with purpose. And it was, you know, they, they got everybody, the biggest names involved from Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and others, uh, and raised, again, hundreds of thousands of dollars that went directly to Feeding America and No Kids Hungry and other organizations. So they could have, on the opposite side, sat down and moaned that, wow, well, we're not going to be making MLB uniforms. And you know what? No one's going to be buying our products because there's no sports. Instead, they, they proceeded in a purposeful manner. So I talk about the concept going from marketing to engaging. And again, I'm sure a lot of us have thought about this. A lot of us have talked about this. So this, is, this may not be new and revolutionary, but this consumer Gen Z does not respond to traditional advertising and marketing. And so I just kind of use the example there, you know, up top, you know, Taco Bell has been a sponsor of the NBA for years. And, and I would consider that kind of traditional marketing, you know, slapping your logo on the skills channel, having TV content on uh, NBA All-Star Weekend and, and kind of doing things traditionally. Right. So, again, marketing, the, 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 you know, the action of promoting and selling a product or service, in this case, Taco Bell and tacos. But engaging is, again, it's it's more of trying to engage the interest, the attention of this consumer in a way that they become advocates for your brand. So the bottom image 
is, uh, and for those who heard about it last year, I use it as a great example, the Taco Bell Hotel. So they created this experiential um, platform with the Taco Bell Hotel where they took the brand, the products, and created a actual hotel where Gen Zers and Influence and others could experience the brand in a completely different way. So now all of a sudden they're engaging with the brand in a much different way. They're sharing the brand on social media platforms through images and video. And again, Taco Bell's creating engagement as opposed to just promotion and marketing. So as we go through the presentation, I'll kind of bring that to life a little bit more, but that's just the nuance I talk about, especially with Gen Z, the transition or the shift from kind of traditional marketing, traditional promotion, traditional advertising to trying to see how do we actually engage this consumer audience in a way that they become uh, collaborators with us, in a way that they become loyal to us, in a way that they become advocates to us, uh, even on social media and with content. So in Engaging Gen Z, the book, there's a quote that um, I, I wrote in there. Again, if you're a marketer, a media company, an employer, even an academic institution, now is the time to shift your mindset and focus and prioritize effectively in engaging Gen Z. If not, I believe you will lose Gen Z employees as quickly as you hire them. And if you're a brand and a brand marketer, I believe your competitors will win over this generation and it will be too late to win them back. So just the thought here is just, I believe that now that we're in 2020, now is the time in 2020, 21, 22, to truly determine how do we engage this consumer? How do we create collaboration and partnerships with them? Because if not, again, if you're an employer, they're gonna leave as soon as they got hired. And if you're a brand, they're not really gonna pay a lot of attention to you because there will be some other brand out there that is, is speaking to them and engaging them in the way they, they want. And I'll bring examples of this to life very shortly. So evolving from marketing to engaging. The best brand that I always bring up as the example, and I've never done work with Target. I've never done uh, any work at all with Target, so I, I have no tie to them at all. But Target back in 2017, 2018, 2019, before really any other brand did this, was they went out and they did, I say something simple, but it's, it's brilliant, and I recommend every organization, nonprofits, brands, corporations do this. They created a nationwide Gen Z incubator, a Gen Z think tank. So instead of saying, how do we market to this generation? How do we advertise to this generation? How do we create an online shopping experience for the generation? Let's not do that. Let's bring them into the fold and have them tell us what we should be doing. Have them inform us what kind of content we should be creating. Have them inform us what kind of products we should be selling, what kind of initiatives we should be out there uh, with. So again, it, it may seem simple, but instead of, and I can say this, 30, 40, 50-year-old marketers trying to figure out the marketing content and the marketing strategy and the go-to-market campaigns to reach Gen Zers, bring Gen Zers in the fold and collaborate with them. They will inform and inspire engagement marketing like you've never thought of before. And so Target's just one example. I'll give some other examples later. But And, they, and the good thing with Target, they've done this consistently. So they didn't just start it back in 17 and 18 Year in and year out, they continue to evolve it and grow it and add to it. And they have portions of this incubator and think tank that, again, focus on important issues like social justice, diversity, inclusion, and other areas. So they, they are my kind of, uh, if I talk about a brand, they're probably the brand that I, I put in the lead position. 
So as we go through the next slides, I call this three ways to get woke uh, and engaging Gen Z. I like to drop a lot of uh, Gen Z language in my presentation. So uh, first will just be some data and some numbers. Well, who is Gen Z? What are they all about? When were they born? All those good things. Gen Z and some brands aside from Target, what are other brands they seem to like and why? And then at the very end, I'm going to give you what I, I've come up with is six immediately actionable recommendations to engage Gen Z, but then also I would leave you with uh, what I call the presentation on a page, which features kind of 10 key areas. So for those who are on the call, and again, appreciate everyone taking quality time to join us because I know you're all very, very busy, but some of you might still be saying, who cares? Why would I care? Why do I have to care? What's, what's so important about these young, this young consumer? Well, I'll give you a couple of reasons. One, Gen Z right now, and for the next however many years, is the largest consumer segment in the United States, the largest consumer segment in the world. There are more Gen Zers than any other consumer out there. So they, they outnumber all of us. Let's just put it that way. But more importantly, they are massive in, in again, how many are out there. Two, their spending power which includes the influence they have on mom, dad, and other relatives and friends is significant. In fact, that $143 billion to me is, is even low. It's significantly more. So they have spending power, but yet if you think about it, the oldest just graduated college, many are in college, many are in high school, and there's still many more in middle school and grammar school, but yet they have spending power and they have incredible influence on spending. So if, if those aren't good enough reasons why I should care, I, I really can't give you any others. Um, but those are pretty, pretty important reasons why, again, as a brand, as an organization, um, I would put a little bit of focus uh, on this, this consumer segment now and for, again, the next 10, 15, 20 years. I wish I came up with this quote. I didn't, but it summarizes uh, Gen Z to me. Gen Z is the first generation that swiped before they wiped. The bottom line is they've had technology in their hands since the age of one, two, three, and four. Technology is at the epicenter of the way they work, the way they live, the way they play, the way they socialize. Um, so as you develop and think about Gen Z, you can't go too far without thinking about how could potentially technology play a role. And when I talk technology, I'm talking about everything from content to social media to even things like uh, virtual, virtual meetings like this one right here. Um, but just keep that in mind. The first generation that swiped before they wiped. So I haven't given out the official years yet. I've touched on this, but for those that don't know, Pew Research officially designated 1997 as the first year that Generation Z was born. So as I mentioned, with that being the case, your oldest Gen Zers just graduated college in 2020, 2019, 2018. You currently have many, many Gen Zers in college and high school, and you have Gen Zers as young as middle school, elementary school, and grammar school. So just to give you a sense of from an age perspective and, and kind of where are they at right now. Based on my research for my two books and my day in and day out collaboration with Gen Zers, earlier today I was on with 20, 20 Gen Zers collaborating with them on a project. So day in and day out, I'm, I'm with them, I'm collaborating with them, I'm brainstorming with them uh, and creating programs and, and campaigns. I kind of boiled it down to what I call my six degrees of Gen Z. As I talked about earlier, they are very purpose-driven. They are the purpose generation. They love experiences. They crave experiential. Uh, they crave engagement, and they crave it in a way that they can then share it to their friends and followers through social channels. So I know in today's world of COVID, 
we don't have as many opportunities to have physical experiences, but that doesn't mean there couldn't be something virtual. Um, very community-minded and socially conscious. And when I talk about community-minded, I mean both the communities in which they live, work, go to school, and play, but also communities online where there are shared interests, shared passion points. Um, they want to be part of communication communities. They want to be have this inclusive feeling, again, whether that's physical communities, uh, local communities, or online communities. Very entrepreneurial spirited as per the uh, making lemonade example I provided earlier. And again, as we talk, you know, tech smart, digital natives. Um, I have so many stories of 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds who launched their first com companies, you know, in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade using technology uh, as, a, as a major platform within their company. So I kind of turned all that into a little bit of a, uh, what I call, I guess, a profile statement. To me, Gen Zers are entrepreneurs experiencing their best life in a digital and social media world in a purposeful way that contributes positively to communities. So again, they are entrepreneurs. They are thinking about the next big idea or the next campaign or the next making lemonade. They're using social and digital platforms, content and technology to mobilize perhaps that concept or that idea, but they want to do it in a way that it's serving a higher purpose than just making money um, and transactional. Uh, and they want to contribute positively. So that's kind of just my little profile statement I came up with on Gen Z in, in a way to try to summarize it in a, in a short statement. <clears throat> a little bit similar, but different, what I call six priorities of Gen Z. Some of the language is the same, but purpose is important. So again, as you're developing programs and campaigns, I'm involved with one right now. Maybe prior to 2020, you didn't think of purpose. But if I was developing a campaign right now to engage Gen Z, I would say, is, do we have a purpose as part of this campaign? What could be the purpose in this campaign? What is the element of purpose in this campaign? I would make sure that's part of any campaign uh, that is created for to engage Gen Z now and in the future. Secondly, experiences. Again, they love to participate and immerse themselves in experiences and then share those experiences with the people they influence the most, fellow Gen Zers. So today in COVID world, we have to figure out, okay, how do those physical experiences maybe become really engaging virtual experiences? Um, immediacy and speed, really, really important. Uh, it's why they, think, like, they love things like Venmo, like why would I ever carry cash when I can conduct the transaction right here with, with Venmo on my phone? They also love the idea of personalization and customization. So brands like uh, Coca-Cola, uh, brands like Spotify, where you can personalize the playlist. Um, if you can take an existing product or an existing service and figure out ways that the end user, especially Gen Zers, can personalize it for themselves, you've just, you know, earned, um, you've just earned some points with this generation because you're taking something that they can customize and personalize based on their preferences, based on their lifestyle, based on you know, a whole bunch of factors. As we talked about community, both virtual communities and um, um, you know, physical in person, uh, virtual in, in person. And then last, but certainly not least, this generation is the most, not only the purpose generation, they're the most diverse generation ever. And that's really, really important because as the most diverse generation ever, they prioritize inclusion, they are looking to work for and be part of diverse organizations and diverse corporate cultures. They're looking for brands and others who um, prioritize diversity and inclusion. And so 
I think that's just really something important to consider again as we look ahead at Gen Z and and you know engaging Gen Z, whether that's now, next year, or over the next several years. This data point that comes from my um, one of my uh, recent uh, nationwide surveys ties more to employment, but I think it's really important because it builds on that diversity and inclusion. So in this nationwide survey that I did, that I designed, and then I used a third party Lucid to field it, I asked Gen Zers across America, when you consider a future employer, what are the most important things to you? And I gave them a list of probably 30 different options. They could choose more than one. Now, when I graduated from college way back when, you know, Number one would have been salary. Number two would have been salary. Number three would have been salary. But at 36% more than any other, diversity and inclusion is the top characteristic or quality they are seeking in a future employer, significantly ahead of sal competitive salary at 31, competitive benefits at 29. So I thought that was pretty um, compelling. Um, I thought it would rank high, but I did not know what that would be number one. And I also didn't realize that it was going to be well ahead of others. Um, you see some others there that we're experiencing now. So things like WFA, work from anywhere, work remotely, four-day work weeks. Well, we're all experiencing that now. And of course, those, those things are important as well. But at the top of the list, by far, I want to work for an organization. I want to be part of an organization that prioritizes and embodies diversity and inclusion. So Let's run through some, uh, some other stats and some numbers and some things here. Um, again, some of these things you may know. Uh, Instagram is still leading the way as far as a social media platform. Uh, this data is from my, my last uh, survey. So I do want to field another survey probably starting September 1, because I think during this pandemic, all of us, not just in years, I think we've all experimented with a lot of different platforms, right? Platforms even like Zoom that maybe a lot of us never used before or house party. Um, but I think Snapchat is a platform that more and more individuals have experimented with. Prior to the pandemic, I'll give you an example. I had 35 high school students come into my class at Rutgers University. I had 35 college students in my class. I had 70. And when I have that chance to survey them in person, I'd love to do it. When we got to Snapchat, I said, show of hands, how many high school students are active participants on Snapchat? I would say of the 35 high school students at that time, so we're talking about February, 29 out of 35. When you go to the college students, and all my college students are primarily soft, uh, juniors and seniors, a few sophomores, I would say it was probably about five out of 35. I think if we brought all those folks together today, the, the high schoolers would probably be 100%, and the college uh, students might be a lot closer to that 20, 25 out of 35. So I do want to look at these numbers again, but Bottom line, while, SAP, while TikTok has increased, I'm sure Instagram is still uh, a, a preferred platform, a popular platform um, that they, they love and uh, they can't get enough of uh, Instagram stories. When it comes to video content, and this number is even a little bit lower, I think it's actually higher, but I'm using data for my latest study. YouTube is the go-to destination for content, for news, for information, for DIY videos, for how-to videos, for fun content, for TV shows, for movies. Bottom line, YouTube is the number one destination where they seek video content, video information over all other channels. And I'll bring that to life uh, a little bit later in this presentation. And when it comes to YouTube and content, you know, what are they looking for and where's the opportunity? Well, of course, they're looking at music videos. And of course, they're looking at, you know, original series and TV shows and video shorts and movies. But 
Where I see the opportunity is 17%, and I think the number's probably higher now during the pandemic, are turning there for tutorials, how-tos, DIYs. I think that's an opportunity for marketers, whatever product or service they market, to get creative and, again, collaborate with Gen Z and create uh, content on YouTube that directly goes to that 17%, but does it in a fun, clever, engaging Gen Z way. Um, as I mentioned earlier, YouTube also just leads the way when I survey them on just where do you seek news and information? Again, for an old Gen Xer like me, right? In my generation, newspaper, radio, traditional television. All those were options when I surveyed them. None of them made the top list. YouTube, number one, where do I go for news and information? Instagram, number two. So, they had every option available, network television, cable television, radio, newspaper, you name it, they had it. But that's where they are turning to when seeking news and information. So again, just something to be mindful of that, again, that, that the power of YouTube and also the power of other, other social platforms. Audio content, as we know, is also important. If you go to any college campus or high school campus, you'll see everyone, seems like everyone has earbuds, right? But, but what's the opportunity? So the two things here, one, they love Spotify. Why? Because Spotify delivers greater value, uh, greater, you know, great, greater value at a lower cost. Spotify also delivers partnerships to them. So Spotify will deliver partnerships with Hulu and other platforms. So they see Spotify as value and they also see Spotify as pers uh, personalization. But then on the other side, it's not just music, even though we probably think they're listening to a lot of music, nearly 50% regularly are downloading podcasts and listening to podcasts. And I think there's an opportunity there. We know certain brands like McDonald's and others have their own podcasts. But when I ask why podcasts, you know, it goes back to kind of why YouTube and other content. I, there's a wide variety of content across comedy, music, politics, news, sports, business, you name it. And two, I can download it anywhere, anytime, and I can listen anywhere, anytime. That is just kind of the Gen Z way of doing things, right? 24-7, I can on my time, when I want to, I can listen to that content. So um, a, a couple of the reasons why they love podcasts and podcast content. I'll, I'm not going to ask the poll questions. I'll just run through them. So uh, I always ask Gen Zers, what is the most effective way for a brand to market to them and engage them? And I give them a bunch of options, um, but far and away always, you know, 60 plus percent. Give me a unique experience, an event that I can immerse myself in, that I can participate in, that I can share on social media. So again, when I give them these options, there's every option in the book. And I think I give a few of them on the next slide or two uh, from a marketing engagement. So traditional advertising, uh, uh, paid uh, you know, social media, all those things. But at 62% far and away is the idea of unique experiences and events. Of course, during this pandemic, again, we have to look at that probably more virtually. And then there's just some others uh, on the right. And again, I probably gave them 30 or so options, which they could choose more than one of. But, you know, you're seeing some social there with sponsored Instagram posts. You're seeing partnerships with online, online influencers, which I'll talk about a little bit later. You know, events, maybe not uh, per the 62%, but sponsoring events around passion points, music, entertainment, um, sports, branded content. Um, so again, these are the ways they say are most effective to market to them and engage them. And this was just a quote from a graduate of Montclair State University 2019. We say do it for the gram for a reason. All of us are seeking to enjoy cool and unique experiences to post on our social media channels. 
Brands and marketers that offer these experiences always get my attention. I put that quote just because I think that quote is representative of the majority of Gen Zers when they talk about why uh, experiences um, are, are you know, important to them and why they appeal to them. So we talked about influencers. Well, who does influence them the most online? Again, I surveyed them and got a, I offered them a bunch of options. 41% my Gen Z friends influence me the most. Well ahead of celebrities who are known for being actors and athletes and musicians. Well ahead of online celebrity influencers, people who are just famous for being online celebrities. And well ahead of subject experts. So really, really important here. And I'll bring it to life in, in the next few slides. The greatest influence in the lives of Gen Z are their fellow Gen Z friends who don't have millions of followers on on, on their social media channels, who are considered what I would call nano influencers, but they have the greatest influence on, on Gen Z. And where do they turn mostly when they're following influencers? Again, Instagram ranks right up there at the top. These numbers will change when I do my Q3, Q4 survey, because I'm sure TikTok will increase uh, significantly. And then just one point on things like Reddit and Discord. I'm seeing over the last year a lot more participation when I'm going to just call online communities. And so this was the first time I included this survey question. And I thought it was interesting. You know, it was the question was along the lines of, uh, are you an active participant in online communities? If so, which ones? You know, nearly 40 percent active on Reddit, 31 percent on Discord. Um, I put that article specifically there, why marketers should consider Reddit, because as we all know, and I'm sure many people, it's not a traditional place to market. It's not a, 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 um, uh, a simple place to market either. So there's a lot of nuances in, in Reddit and you have to figure out what's the best approach, but it's just important to know that they are hanging around a lot and conversing and, and uh, in communities on Reddit and Discord. So let's touch on Gen Z and brands before we get to the last few slides. I may rush through some of this just because based on time, so I think it's interesting to know some of Gen Z's most loved brands, favorite brands are the brands that were born during the same exact years as Generation Z. If we look at that, right, Netflix is incredibly popular, born 1997, the same first year as Gen Z's. Uh, YouTube, we talked about, born in 2005. Venmo, which I talked about earlier. So just interesting, right? Brands that they love, not every brand, but many of the brands they love were also born during the exact same years as Generation Z. So they are, in essence, Gen Z brands. I love Morning Consult. I'm not sure how many people look at their stuff, but they have a free uh, newsletter. They have a few of them that I every morning, it's, my, it's a must-read for me at 8.45 in the morning. They have one specifically that's for marketing. So if, uh, if you don't get it, I, I'd, I'd recommend it. Morning Consult's uh, uh, morning newsletter that's free, and it's really a catch-all. But they do constantly you know, surveys and so I didn't update this because they actually just came out with their latest. So this is the 2019 version, but the most loved brands of Gen Z. And here's 20 of them. And some of them we've talked about. Netflix at two, YouTube at three, uh, Target at eight, um, Spotify at 14, Instagram at 15. Again, they just came out with their latest data last week or the week before, so I'll update this. But just again, if you look at those, we talked about the ones I just rattled off, but then you look at others, um, that they look at, you know, for a couple of reasons. So um, if you look at a brand like Oreo, 
a lot of that has to do with Oreo just being really, really clever on social media, the content they produce, the content they put out there. Other brands may be just, you know, value. So I talked about Spotify being a value brand, but Walmart's a value brand just as well. Um, so again, just an interesting snapshot of brands that they say they love, which as we all know is a strong word. It's not a brand I like. These are brands I love. And then just a couple of other brands, just some takeaways. We talked about purpose. Um, this was an article written by my co-author, Michael Pankowski, in the ad trades, where he talks about a brand like Patagonia we love because they do have a higher purpose than just selling us apparel. So, so again, that does resonate not just with Michael, but with Gen Zers. Uh, a brand like Target, which we talked about, which was smart and wise and strategic enough to bring Gen Zers into the fold and bring Gen Zers into the fold and have Gen Z inspire, inform, and influence advertising, marketing, content, product, campaigns, initiatives, you name it. Um, and they've been doing that now going on four years. Um, we talked about Taco Bell earlier in the Taco Bell Hotel. Again, it's just the idea of they took the brand out of the restaurants and they created an experience that Gen Z could immerse themselves in and equally important, share, create, produce, and share content on social media. We talked earlier about the greatest influencers in the lives of Gen Zers are other Gen Zers, right? And I called them nano influencers. It's why on college campuses now, and I'm sure we have a bunch of folks on the, on the call who are from colleges, you're seeing more and more and more and more ambassador programs. And not just for brands, but like Natural Light, but Starbucks, Chipotle, um, Five Hour Energy Drink, Red Bull, uh, you name it. They realize that students have huge influence on other students. And in this case, well, now, of course, we're all remote, but prior to the pandemic, physically in person through experiences and events on campus, but also through social media and content. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this uh, presentation up with six immediately actionable recommendations and then a last slide that covers this whole presentation in one slide. So first, I've probably said it five times already, but I would prioritize purpose if you're creating programs and campaigns in targeting and engaging Gen Z. Of course, I think all of us at this point, based on what we've experienced in 2020, are looking for brands that deliver purposeful action. I don't think it's just Gen Zers, but if you are creating programs uh, intended to engage Gen Z, I think you have to find what is the purpose of this campaign other than to sell something, promote something, and market something. I think that's really important. Two, like Target, the NFL created a Gen Z incubator and think tank. So my recommendation to every organization, whether it's a Fortune 100 company, a nonprofit, a university, is again, instead of trying to solve this riddle on your own, invite Gen Z into the fold. I'll give you a really quick example. The Rutgers University uh, Alumni Association and their foundation who work very closely together came to me last summer at this time and said, you know what? We're really trying to engage our most recent graduates in the class of 1918 and 17. We want to engage them. We do ultimately want them to maybe, you know, make a donation or two. I said, well, have you talked to them? No. Well, that's the first step in this process. Let's create the first ever Rutgers Alumni Association think tank. Let's invite 20 to 30 alums from 2019 and 2018 into uh, the fold. Let's have a fun interactive session and let's see where that takes us. Well, anyway, we ended up doing that two months later in October and November of 2019. And we had a room of 30 alums, young alums from night class of 2019 and 18. 
By the time we got done the session, which I hosted and facilitated, the heads of the foundation, the heads of the association, we got more in two hours, more insights, more information, more inspiration than we did in an entire year trying to figure out this thing. And I do believe that formula applies to, again, every organization out there from nonprofits to, again, Fortune 100 companies. Um, we've talked about this already, but I'll give a little bit different twist. Experiences, events, yes, very, very important. But what I like to say is take a step back, no matter what organization you belong to, or if you're an agency, what, what client, who your clients are. And what I like to always say is think about every asset and every access you own. And I'll just give you a really fast example. Uh, for years, I did a lot of work with Taco Bell, Taco Bell uh, corporate out in Irvine, California. And when I went out there for the first time, you know, behind this secure door was the test kitchen. And I said, can we go in there? No, no, no one's allowed. You, no, you, you can't go in there. It's, it's just, you know, no one's. I said, do you ever allow media in there? Do you ever allow consumers? Do you ever allow super fans in there? No, no, no. We would never do that. Well, somehow in those seven years I worked with them after year one or two, we convinced them that we should. And we flew out 50 super fans from across the country, people we identified in social media who loved Taco Bell, who tweeted about, who posted about it. And we brought them into the test kitchen. Well, that in essence was giving them access to an asset that Taco Bell owned, but never thought it was either mediable or a consumer facing asset. And now they bring everyone through there, celebrities, media, fans, et cetera. But yet, because it was in their building where they go to work every day, they just never thought of it that way as something that could be um, you know, monetized as a social currency as an asset, as something we can get access to. So again, I think all organizations have that. We just have to think about for our own organization, or again, if we're an agency, what might that be? It's going to be something completely different, but there are things that we own, we have that are right under our, our, you know, our noses that we probably just don't think about because we either see them, hear about them, experience them every day, but they might be currency for Gen Zers. Um, I'll make this quick. We touched on it already. You know, Gen Z does not read the morning newspaper. Gen Z does not watch the six o'clock news. Gen Z does not know what Good Morning America or the Today Show is. This is Gen Z's media solar system. If I was a media buyer, this is where I'm going. I'm going to those channels like Instagram and YouTube that I know they're at. I'm trying to see what I can do with Spotify and Hulu. Um, um, maybe not right now, but I'm, I'm going back to, you know, interactive events like Refinery 29's 29 Rooms and maybe figure out how can we create a partnership. I'm creating my own branded podcast that maybe is even hosted and produced by Gen Zers. So again, this is in essence kind of the, the, media, the media plan or the media solar system for Gen Zers. Of course, there's more, more channels, but this is, these are just some of them. And even LinkedIn, I think, is a great channel as you get into your college sophomore, juniors and seniors. I talked earlier, the greatest influence in the life of Gen Zers are, are their Gen Z friends, nano influencers. So I think as you think of influencers, don't always think bigger is better. Um, I would think if you're going to try to engage Gen Z, think about a Gen Z ambassador program. Think about a Gen Z influencer program, because uh, I think you'll get a greater return on the investment. And then last but not least, you know, it's all about digital. I mentioned this earlier, right? The first generation that learned to swipe before they could wipe. So as you're creating campaigns, as you're creating products, even services, how could, does this live in a digital social world? Um, I just use the example of uh, house party here because, um, you know, I think house party was something that a lot of us now have probably gone on since the pandemic, but Gen Z was on there, you know, well before this pandemic. So last slide is just, again, I won't go into too much detail, but basically this is the entire presentation in 10 key points. 
most diverse generation ever. Keep that in mind. They prioritize diversity and inclusion. Two, this pandemic, this whole 2020 year that all of us, I'm sure, can't wait to be over with is happening during their most formative year. So it's having a major impact, major influence on their lives now and in the future. They are incredibly entrepreneurial spirit. Just use the example of the, the making lemonade guys. Purpose is important. Purpose from, again, brands, corporations, organizations, universities, et cetera. Communities, both online and physical, they want to be in part of. They want to be included. They want to have interaction and collaboration. Uh, influence, while they do follow celebrities, uh, the greatest influence, of course, is their Gen Z friends. Um, as I said on slide one or two, think about engaging Gen Z, not marketing and promoting to Gen Z. It's a nuance, but if you think about it that way, it'll, it'll shift the way you, you approach it. Their media is unprecedented. It's not mom and dad's or grandma and grandpa's media. It's completely new and completely different, but they are so immersed in that media that there are ways, clever and creative ways to, to immerse your, your brand. Um, as we talked earlier, very digital native, tech smart. Um, so again, think technology. And the last but not least, just the idea of personalization and customization. And that can go for a product, a surfing, a sur excuse me, a service or any offering. Is there a way that we can just make this that they can personalize or customize this based on, again, their lifestyle and their way of living? Uh, I know I raced through that, but thank you very, very much for your attention. I hope you got real world value out of this today. I've got a couple of um, uh, contact information here. Feel free, email me. Feel free to go to my LinkedIn or to my website. Uh, I'm here to help and support your efforts. And uh, if you want to lease, if we have time, we can take a few questions. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. Um, I don't know about everyone else, but I know a lot of times when we have speakers and presentations, um, especially now we're in a world of just like online virtual presentations, having those takeaways. I love that, how you wrapped it up and kind of summarized rather than just kind of throwing information at us and saying, okay, good luck, absorb all of this. So thank you for that, Mark. Um, yeah, we'll take a couple questions. Let's see. Um, okay, does anybody have any questions? I don't have any yet. Mark, could you potentially, I did get an ask, um, share the slides with yep, me? So what I'll do is I'll send Elise, as soon as we get in, I'll send you a PDF, which you can feel free to share with your members. Awesome. I got a message from someone that says no questions, but this was fantastic. Um, so that's some great feedback. I don't, I don't think we have any questions, but yes, if you could share those with me so that if people do have questions, maybe they could shoot you an email. Um, again, this was awesome. Thank you so much, Mark, and thank you to everyone that joined, um, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.